It's been over 12 hours, and I still can't believe it, but the University of Utah is going back to the Pac-12 championship game. How were they able to do it? How were the other teams able to help them out and get the win? We're talking about that and their win against Colorado on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. We'd love to interact with you guys on social media at JT Wistersville, as well as at Locked On Utes and on our YouTube show, where we do have over 600 subscribers with that number hopefully growing now that we're going to the Pac 12 championship. And we got a ton of fun Pac 12 championship content this week in preparation for the Utes rematch against the Trojans. And we're talking about how Utah was able to make it, as well as their win against the Buffs today. And in order to help me do that, it's friend of the show, Dante Guardi. Dante, appreciate you joining as always and all of last week i was kind of a defeatist attitude i would say i did not think we were going to be having this conversation it didn't seem likely i just felt like yes i knew i thought ucla would definitely take care of business and i felt like washington would win the apple cup i didn't feel as good about that one as the ucla one but i still felt like washington would win i did not feel good about oregon oregon state and i did not feel good at all about it when oregon got up 31 to 10 i just felt like dan lanning's first year as a head coach I know why a lot of people could be saying this is a trap game because it is so hard to win in Corvallis, but Oregon State is a really good team, and Oregon is still an even better team to me. I mean, they're ranked higher still, but that's what happens in rivalry games and crazy things happen, like winning a game where you don't throw a pass after the six-minute mark in the third quarter in 2022. (laughs) Insanity. Either way, I thought Oregon was going to be able to win and take care of business because of Dan Lanning understanding what that rivalry meant, and they didn't, and they lost, and then Washington won, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, what just happened? We're in the Pac-12 championship? I mean, it's it's crazy, Dante. I still can't believe it. Yeah, I want to know what uh, Jonathan Smith said to Oregon State before that whole thing kind of unraveled because all of a sudden their offensive line was just trouncing Oregon on the ground. Like it was pancake after pancake after pancake, six, seven-yard runs back to back to back. It was simply ridiculous. And that was probably the most improbable comeback I've seen since like UCLA knocked off Texas A&M in like 2015, like that was just a ridiculous comeback. And the fact they didn't even throw a pass makes it even crazier. The Apple Cup game was very good as well. The scoreline might say it was an 18-point differential. It really wasn't, though. It was a very close game, one-point game at halftime. Michael Penix threw that that interception in the end zone uh, in the middle of the third quarter, and that really got me scared. That was when I was like, okay, geez, they're really going to blow this. And then all of a sudden they come back and start scoring even more points, and they win the game pretty handedly, which was just fantastic to see capping off a fantastic night, a fantastic week. And obviously Utah gets the job done in Boulder. So literally everything that could go right went right, which feels like the first time we're really saying this, this season, because you look back at some of the moments that Utah's had Oregon, so many missed opportunities, Florida right there for the taking UCLA kind of there for the taking as well. Got a little bit out of hand, but like we've been so close so many times and it just feels great to finally have everything kind of 
work out as it should for the University of Utah. So I'm really looking forward to this Friday. It's going to be a fantastic game. USC is going to be hyped up, obviously, looking to get the revenge. Caleb Williams now the heavy favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Utah's be. defense has gotten so much better since that game. I mean, you look at the stats, like even at, even just take it like from halftime of the USC game. Utah only gave up 14 points in the second half against USC that first time they met. And since then, they've been lights out, limited that Oregon offense, which was averaging over 500 yards per game to just 20 points less than 50 yards on the ground in the second half. Like they looked really, really good lately. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if some of the guys that didn't play yesterday end up playing on Friday. That's yeah. obviously a big thing. And it's just going to be a fantastic game. You know, I don't think we've had a Pac-12 championship game this highly anticipated in a very long time, probably since 2019. But now with USC back and having Caleb Williams at the forefront of their roster, it just makes the energy and the intensity of this matchup so much heavier and so much better. Yeah, everyone was excited for last year's matchup, but just because of the way Oregon came into it, I think there was kind of still a weird feeling around it as much as I was still nervous. And I actually had a really scared feeling that, oh, we already got Oregon once. They're going to respond and get us here and then ended up blowing them out. And I I don't see this one being a blowout. I mean, even if USC is able to get a win here, which I mean, obviously, they're very likely to do. I, of course, feel good about the team that I'm currently supporting in the background and literally get paid to talk about with this show. But I wouldn't have talked about. Yeah, it's just going to be such a such a great game. And talking about how Utah made the Pac-12 championship, because I think a lot of people are confused by how it works. But uh, thankfully, Reddit College Football has it covered. So the tie, this is the tiebreaker that sent Utah to the Pac-12 title game. So Washington played Oregon, Cal, and Arizona State. So they're com- they were a combined 11 and 16, those teams. Then Oregon played Washington, Utah, and Cal, who were that, so giving them a combined 16 and 11. And Utah played USC, Oregon, and Arizona State, a combined 17 and 10. So they have the overall, that strength of schedule and the winning record, in, as we talked about in that scenario, where those opponents combined for the most wins, that 17 and 10, as we talked about. That's what allowed the Utes to get here. So it's a weird tiebreaker scenario. Look, trying to understand it is difficult, but as I mentioned, the Utes had the stronger strength of schedule, which is why they're able to beat out Washington. And even though they don't have the head-to-head against Oregon, they're still able to go in because of that strength of schedule. So it really did work out well that the Utes had a lot of tough games on their slate this year. And now they find themselves in the Pac-12 championship game, Dante, which, as I mentioned, with all these crazy scenarios, it just makes it even wilder. I mean, there was a reason 8% chance, and they'll have to do it. You mentioned some of the guys who aren't going to play. I mean, hopefully Clark is out there. We didn't see him. Uh, yesterday. Um, I know another guy too, this Utah team needs is Joan Ellis. Obviously I'm trying to remember if he played yesterday off the top of my head. It's, um, I'm escaping me at the moment. Yeah, I, did, I didn't think Probably so. Did. I, didn't, yeah, I didn't think he did either, but I, I felt I was worried. It was one of those things where, uh, we saw him for a moment and then he wasn't in, but yeah, you're right. He, he wasn't out there. And then, um, who's the uh, Dalton got nicked up at the end of the game. So hopefully he's able to come back in. He's a true warrior. So hopefully he's good. Um, and obviously no Tavion Thomas. And we're going to talk about the running back situation in a sec. I think most Utah fans are feeling, feeling pretty good about that after how things went against the buffs as they, uh, they should be. But, um, even just looking at the games yesterday, as you talked about, so UCLA Cal was closer for a while. I mean, we thought for a little bit, it could end Friday. I mean, Cal had a lead lead in that one for a while. And then UCLA was able to win it 35 to 28. Then the Oregon, Oregon state one, that was the crazy one. As we mentioned, just to be able to get a win, as you mentioned for coach Smith's team and being down in that kind of environment against the team. And then that, that kind of performance on the ground, be able to make those plays also dumb decisions by the ducks going forward in your own territory. Like that was I mean, you just can't do it in that situation. You play and I, that's just over aggressive to me. And I thought it was a really dumb decision at that point in the game. And then look, we were all sweating out the apple cup a little bit, but then, and Washington state, I mean, it should have been a tied game. I've never seen what cam Ward did where he basically crossed the goal line with his feet, but forgot to put the ball. over. <laughs> so it wasn't a touchdown. Um, it wasn't a two point conversion after they had gotten the touchdown. Um, then throws the interception, watch it, throws the interception. And you're like, ah, oh, it's destiny. Still, they're still going to come back, but no, the, 
Huskies defense responded with a couple stops. And then from there, it was the Washington offense and Michael Penix doing his thing and sets the Utes up with an awesome opportunity. They do have to win to go to the Pac-12 championship game. Now there's a world where the committee could be like, we still want Utah, but a four-loss Utah team versus a two-loss Washington team. And Washington, in terms of the national cachet, I do think still has more of like a following. And it just seems like more people still tune in for Washington games. Their name, the program, all that carries more weight than Utah and something like the Rose Bowl that's so full of tradition. I think it's very likely that we would see them st- that we would see Washington get the call over the Utes. So the Utes' best chance to get into the Pac-12, excuse me, from go to the Rose Bowl would be winning the Pac-12 championship game, which, I mean, they're going to have a really good chance to do. But once again, Dante, I, I can't even believe we're talking about all this right now. Yeah, we're really, really spoiled. I mean, four conference championship appearances and really the last four real regular seasons. 2020 does not count. Come on. We only played five conference games, had two no fans. That does not count. The stadium was getting rebuilt in the middle of this season. Like that, it's just does not count. Okay. Uh, Four straight conference championship appearances in my book. And that's all that matters. Um, This program has really spoiled us over the years. It's been super awesome to see it grow since joining the PAC 12. And I'm just looking forward to the future, looking forward to this weekend's game because Vegas thinks it's going to be really close. The spread opened up at two and a half in favor of USC, which means that it's going to be a very close game. And we saw what happened last time. Utah played USC. And the thing about USC, it's like Utah basically took their best shot already in Salt Lake City. You know, Caleb Williams can't play much better than he did against you against, against how he already did against Utah. That was a pretty close to flawless game by Caleb Williams in Salt Lake City. He played out of his mind. In my opinion, that was the best performance I've seen from a quarterback in person live. Like that was just an absolute yeah. masterclass. Obviously, Utah got the uh, upper hand with that two-point conversion late. But, I mean, this is still going to be a very close game. Um, sure, Tavion's out, but he wasn't really a factor in that game to begin with. You know, and now – He hasn't been a huge Jaquin factor Jackson, for a lot of the season. Exactly. Now, Jaquin and Jackson looks like a completely new person. I mean, I think he's faster than Tavion, a little bit more shaky than yes. Tavion. Oh, and now it's sure. like as long as he can keep the ball in his hands and not fumble at all. I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy who could be a – all Pac-12 second team, first team running back next season. I mean, he looked yeah. so good yesterday. Um, he broke off that crazy run against Arizona, I believe. Maybe it was Stanford. Like, he has had some awesome moments, and he has really grown. And this is still his first, like, year playing the position. I mean, the Arizona State game, which was, uh, I believe, September 20-something. So, literally two months he's been playing the position, and he already looks so good. He's averaging over five yards per carry, over three yards per contact after – yeah, three yards per contact per carry. I mean, he is just doing so well, and it's really awesome to see him blossom like this. And the offensive line starting to regain form. I mean, everything's kind of just clicking right now. And I'm kind of just forgetting about the Oregon game. Like, obviously, that was really sad and really just demoralizing, kind of defeating. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, we have the same oh, record as them in the conference, and we still made it over them. So, that game really doesn't matter. And if Washington fans want to say, oh, we should have made it, well, you should have beat Arizona State. If Oregon fans yep. say they want to make it, well, you should have beat Washington. I mean, that's how, the, that's how the cookie crumbles. Utah played the toughest schedule out of all of them. They all finished with the same record. Utah earned their stripes. They earned the spot to compete to defend their title, and rightfully so. And I cannot stop talking about this matchup because it's going to be so good. It is going to be awesome and well said by you too. Look, I I was, I think, just disappointed last week because it felt like Utah didn't control their own destiny, but they still put themselves in a position to have an opportunity. And because of they, what they did last week, I mean, uh, obviously what they did yesterday, beating the crap out of the buffs, <laughs> which we're going to talk yeah. about in a second. And then what the other teams did, they find themselves in position. So it's a great time to be a Ute. I mean, it always is, but especially this week coming up in preparation of that game. And before we talk more about that game, we're going to talk a little bit about what we saw the most most recently from Utah's outing against Colorado in a second. But first, want to talk to you guys about upside. Guys, inflation has us all thinking about 
different ways to cut back, whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store. We can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upside, I don't have to cut back because I get cash back on every purchase. Upside is super easy to set up, and you can start using it right now. Get cash back. To get started, you can even download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Then you can claim an offer for wherever you're buying on Upside. Click in or check in at the businesses. Pay as usual with a credit or debit card and then get paid. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Also, I want to talk to you guys about the sponsor of this episode, LinkedIn Jobs. Guys, LinkedIn Talent Solutions is here to help. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, I use LinkedIn all the time to network with friends as well as see what opportunities are available in the business fields I am pursuing. So make sure you guys head over and add your purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that your business is hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions may apply all right dante jumping back into this one um look the spread was 29 for the game Utes versus the buffs we didn't know what it was going to be we assumed utah would win i didn't see 63 points coming i'll say that i mean wow the utah offense unstoppable the utah defense i mean they only gave up 185 total yards cam rising only had two incompletions bryson barnes came in and i had one interception that wasn't great but still four five overall had a nice run that ended up getting taken away because of a uh, penalty too you look at cam i mentioned the 234 yards three touchdowns i mean jaquindon jackson has to be the player of the game it feels like i mean only 10 carries and 117 yards and three touchdowns are you kidding me insane he averaged 11 yards a carry Makai Bernard also his best rushing game of the season. He went 12 for 91. Good to see Jalen Glover back in the fold too. He got 13 carries for 62. The performance by those guys, I think, is why we're feeling all right about the absence of Tavion Thomas for this and whatever Utah's bowl game is going to look like. It was also great to see Money Parks get a touchdown. Makai Cope. We know Jalen Dixon's continued to grow in this offense. Thomas Yasmin, are you kidding me with that hurdle? I mean, catch and run. I mean, wow. And then of course Dalton still being that guy, 102 yards and a touchdown. Just a dominant performance by this Utah football team. And it's the reason they remain ranked and in these positions is because you look at it like, well, they're a three-loss team. They have, yes, they have three tough losses on the road. They have two outstanding wins now. We've always talked about the USC one. That Oregon State win is a really good win with what they've been able to do the rest of the way this season. And we've even seen like how many other teams in the Pac-12 fumble against inferior opponents. If it is a Washington losing to Arizona State, we just saw Oregon lose to Oregon State. Everyone always loses to an inferior opponent, it feels like. And the Utes, it's a credit to the stability that Kyle Whittingham has brought to this program, are able to avoid and do that. It was just awesome to see this team dominate yesterday and look so fired up. Um, all the mental, there were no mental miscues. So like, they just look like they're playing their best football right now. And it's what has me feeling so good about going into this PAC 12 championship game. Yeah. So in the first half, these were Colorado stats, one first down oh for eight on third down 16 total yards and negative 10 yards rushing. Whereas Utah had 19 first downs and only, only were only had to attempt a third down three times. So they were one for three. But that was because they were converting all their first downs on first and second down. 
350 total yards. Cam Rising was 16 for 18, averaging 11.4 yards per attempt, and the rushing attack was doing their thing, controlling the clock. So, I mean, just an absolute dominant performance. And we saw that Thomas Yasmin hurdle. I think that's just a testament of how good this tight end room is. They're all so athletic. They're all so good. I mean, it's just insane how blessed we are to be able to watch these guys go out and compete um, every week. It's, it's simply beautiful. And I hope Dalton can play. I mean, that didn't look too good, but it also didn't look too bad. Really weird looking injury. Um, really awesome touchdown grab. That was simply phenomenal. Uh, added some really nice plays to his NFL uh, tape. Yes. So going to be interesting to see how his draft stock looks after that game, because that was another incredible performance from uh, Dalton Kincaid. So with that game, I mean, it was just utter domination. There's there's no other way around it. I mean, everyone kind of did their job. Um, Bryson Barnes looked pretty good, too. He had a couple errant moments, like you said. But for the most part, there, were, there was nothing to be worried about. And sure, Colorado scored 21 points. But like I said, against the first stringers, they only had 16 total yards and they were minus 10 on the ground. So, I mean, Utah completely dominated them in every way, shape and form. Um, not really a great showing from the buffs, kind of what we expected. They're probably yeah. the worst power five team in, in the country uh, as much as it kind of stinks to say, because they're in the PAC 12 and we want the conference to succeed all around. Yes. But I mean, that's just, you can't avoid it, man. You just that's cannot nice. avoid it. But I mean, good job, good job by the team. Good job by the coaches getting them ready. Um, not worried about anything else. Obviously came to play and, and did their job, you know, can't, can't complain scoring 63 points on the road. That's just a fantastic, fantastic showing. And Kyle said it before the game, he's like any given Saturday, anything can happen. And that's true. But I mean, I think we all kind of knew what, what the outcome of this yes. game would be. Um, not to this extent, maybe I wasn't expecting 63 points, no. especially after Utah punted, I believe on their first drive, which was yeah. a little bit, uh, a little bit worrisome, but obviously caught fire at the right time and ended up scoring 42 points in the first half. And then after that, it was just domination and domination and, and more domination from the youth. So really awesome to see. And obviously all the other cards fell into place and now we're going to the ship, which is obviously the goal at the beginning of the year. Obviously maybe we wish for a couple more wins here and there, but can't complain getting a chance to defend our title. So really awesome weekend. Dante, I should have looked this up before we started because you made a good point about that. When is the last time Utah scored a touchdown on their opening drive? I can't remember off the top of my head. Arizona State, maybe. I don't even think. Yeah, yeah because there I was mean, a trick play. We, this, like a trick the, play. this is the one, and we'll talk more about concerns and things later in the week. But, man, I this team just does not start hot on offense. And, yes, as soon as the second drive, maybe they'll kick into gear. But, like, I just worry. I remember last year's Pac-12 championship game. We got the, We took, we got the ball first. Like that was that kind of that sign, that show of aggression. And we went with there and we were able to do that. I wouldn't want, I'd defer if I won the toss right now with the way our offense starts the game. And it's a dangerous thing. If you do let Caleb Williams on the field, they go down and score right away. We go three and out. They go down and score right away again. And it's like, well, we're going to have to make another unbelievable comeback as we now trail by two touchdowns in the first quarter. That's I just that's the one thing that really concerns me about this Utah offense is it does seem to take them a drive to kind of settle in. And when you have so many starters back from last year's team, that shouldn't be the case, but it is for whatever the reason. But as you mentioned, either way, it was still a dominant performance, a great win. Um, got a shout out Hayden Fury leading this team in tackles. Diabate continued to do his thing. Something we're really going to emphasize throughout the week on this show is Diabate has to rush Caleb Williams with his speed and what he's able to do. If it's third and long, I need Diabate with his hand in the dirt. I think it's one of the only ways this Utah team is going to be able to get pressure, especially since Jonah Ellis is more than likely not going to play unless something changes. He, he very well could. We don't have any information on that right now. But since he's been out these last two games, I'm not going to be optimistic. Uh, Sione Baki continues to make nice plays, too, and just get us excited about this uh, this Utah football team. But um, And Jaquindon as well. Got to just mention him, too. I mean, I, we already talked about him, I know. But even like more so for game balls for this game, I'd give him Jaden, Jaquindon. And you know who else I'm throwing game balls to? UCLA, Washington. And then, of course, Oregon State for what they did yesterday because, Dante, we needed it to happen, and it did happen still. 
Yeah, I thought Oregon State would win that game. Like I was, I was more worried about the Washington game than the Oregon State really? game. Yeah, I was reverse. I was. Yeah. I was. I've been very optimistic about this Oregon State team all year. I love Jonathan Smith. Love their offensive line. I was very optimistic about them all year long. And when we beat them by by the score of forty two to sixteen, I was very impressed. I was like, this by the end of the year, this is going to look like a very good win. And it did. I was a little bit more concerned with their quarterback situation um, because Chance Nolan obviously got injured in the game yep. against Utah. But then Goldbranson. Wasn't wasn't not good. I'm not going to say he was good, but I mean he yeah. did his job. You know he did a good yeah. job. He handed the ball off to Damian Martinez yesterday to Sean Fenwick, guys like that. And obviously the offensive line got a good amount of push and really just dominated that Oregon front seven, which is kind of shocking to me. Like I mean I knew their offensive line was really good and had a lot of quality, but I mean that's an Oregon run defense that Utah couldn't get anything against. You know, so I mean that was a really awesome performance by them. And I thought it was hilarious how one side of the stadium is completely packed with fans and the other side of the stadium is just completely empty and i was like I man this place would be rocking if it was a full stadium oregon would stand no chance but obviously oregon state comes storming back that drop punt was just ridiculous i was kind of looking yeah. away at that time and all of a sudden my dad starts screaming i look over and i'm like oh my goodness like what is <laughs> happening and then just madness after madness after madness um obviously got to respect the beavers got to respect the bruins and got to respect the huskies so shout out to them for getting the job done and giving us a chance to defend the title you know that's that's so huge um especially because if we were sh- a shoe in for the alamo bowl shoe in for the holiday bowl i think we'd all kind of be looking at the season as a little bit of a disappointment whereas now for sure if we just win one more game we're back in the rose bowl and possibly playing ohio state again or depending on how, if usc loses maybe ohio state can still sneak into the playoff and then we got to play penn state which is yeah probably a much more favorable opponent we have a really good shot to yeah. win our first ever Rose Bowl, which would be a fantastic, fantastic sight to see, fantastic ending to a lot of these guys' careers. Um, it would just be a storybook ending to another just really awesome, fun season. So um, just got to be thankful for all these other teams doing their part. And honestly, I, I I thought that all the cards would kind of fall into place. Like I was – I said Oregon State would win. I said UCLA would win. I was a little bit more hesitant about Washington, but I did more – I did lean more towards them winning – but I didn't expect to get those all right. I was like, somebody's definitely going to fold. You know, it's college football. Something happens every single week. And we saw LSU going to Texas A&M and get pretty much throttled by a team that's not even going to make a bowl game, most likely. So just any given Saturday, anything can happen. So I just think it's actually just incredible that all these teams were able to get their job done, especially in the Pac-12, a conference that has so much madness. And we did get some madness. Oregon State needed yes, a 21-point comeback without throwing the football. That is just mind-boggling, especially in this era of college football where you have to pass, you have to pass. You see Caleb Williams just absolutely yeah. shredding Notre Dame with his legs, with his arm. I mean, that dude just creates plays. He's a wizard in the backfield. I don't think I've ever seen a player do that at the college level like he does. So – we got the madness. It was just an awesome Saturday to watch some ball. I mean, just game after game, just excitement after excitement. And it ended exactly the way we wanted to. So really awesome to see. It's insanity. And you absolutely love it. Also, there's going to be a lot of time to talk about a potential Rose Bowl if we make even make it there. Um, agree or disagree, Dante? I think if they make the Rose Bowl, um, Utah, and let's see, Ohio State is the opponent there. I do not think C.J. Stroud would play in the game. I think he would opt out knowing the fact that he's already a top three pick. He got a Rose Bowl championship last year. I don't think he would play, so it actually could be a potentially favorable matchup because I don't know who would be the backup quarterback in this situation with the Buckeyes, but he ain't no C.J. Stroud. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah, if that was the case, though, I would love to play Penn State because they've had Sean Clifford be their quarterback yep. for like six years, and I mean, I you know, know that guy's gonna bring you. You know that guy's gonna put all of his effort into that Great. game because he's probably not an NFL guy. This is probably no. his last real hurrah so he'd put his all into that game. You know, our guys are gonna put their all into that game. It would make for a super intense. Yep. Oh, awesome Cam is definitely team. playing between two fantastic fan bases. Penn State has an incredible fan base. They'll travel extremely well. It would be an awesome, awesome uh, New Year's Day football game between just two awesome fan bases. I mean, and and the thing about last year, I was at the game. It was all Utah fans. Unfortunately, watching the game back on TV, you couldn't really see that because both teams are red. 
if Penn State's white, we could assert our dominance a little bit more. And you could really <laughs> see how much Utah fans travel and how much they really take over Pasadena. Um, so, I mean, I would love to play Penn State personally. Like if, if CJ's not playing, don't give us Ohio State. I don't want that anymore. You know, I want the Rose Bowl to be a fun, traditional game where both teams are just giving it their all. I don't want any of this opting out stuff like that. And Penn State, looking at their roster, they probably don't have many opt outs. I mean, I've I've looked at that team. Yeah. I've watched them a good amount. They got oh, some yeah, really yeah. good players. They they, they definitely it's do. It's the I mean, Rose Bowl. It's different for them exactly. versus Ohio State, who just most of those players just won one last year. Exactly. And you look at Penn State, they were like seven and five last year, whereas now they make that big jump to the Rose Bowl. That's a big, big deal for them. And James Franklin is kind of a coach who's kind of a little bit on the hot seat. I mean, he hasn't really lived up to the expectations there. So that would be a huge moment for him. Obviously, a huge moment for Utah uh, to be able to win their first Rose Bowl. It would just make for an incredible matchup. Really, really awesome day, in my opinion. So if CJ were to opt out, I would not really want to play Ohio State because, I mean, that's just not fun. You don't want to play a backup quarterback. I said the same thing with the Oregon game, you know, like. Yeah. I wanted Bo Nix to play in that game. Like, there's no fun in beating a backup quarterback no, in a high-level no, situation like that. You know, that's not college football. You want these two teams to give it their all. You want to see a fantastic football game. You don't want this Ty Thompson coming in and playing for Oregon. And if that happens, Oregon's probably scoring three points, and Utah wins 17-3. to three. And then at that point, it's like, okay, great. But I don't know. I just love watching, like, two great. awesome football teams go at it. And if CJ were not, were not to play, it would kind of – turned me off a little bit from uh, going back to the Rose Bowl, even though it'd still be an awesome opportunity. And I'm just kind of thankful that we're in the position that we are now because 48 hours ago, I would probably be saying, yeah, we're probably going to the Holiday Bowl or the Alamo Bowl. Whereas now it's like, dang, we're only two and a half point dogs against the, against the heavy Heisman favorite. And we got a chance to make the Rose Bowl for two years in a row. Like that's simply fantastic. There's no reason to complain. Like Utah's kind of playing with house money in my opinion here, you know, like got nothing to lose. Whereas USC's got a, probably a playoff title on the, or a playoff spot on the line. Yes, um, they do. Lincoln Riley first season as a head coach, a lot of things like that. Just so many things. Yeah, USC has got a lot more to lose than Utah does in my opinion. And that's where teams don't want to face Utah. You know, you look at the games this season where Utah's kind of been the hunted, not the hunter, Florida. We were the higher ranked team. Florida was unranked. We lost UCLA defending national or defending Pac-12 champs going into their place. We were definitely the favorite there lost. You know, so a lot of the times when we're the hunt hunted, even against Oregon, we were the higher ranked team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so now we're kind of we're the underdog, which is where teams definitely don't want to face us. You saw last year when Oregon came into came into Rice Eccles and just got pretty much walloped. I mean, not, they did yeah. not stand a chance there. And then again in the Pac-12 championship, they were still the higher ranked team. They were number ten, I believe. We were number seventeen, and we kicked their kicked their butts again. So I mean. When Utah's an underdog, it just gives this team so much more energy and much more drive and gives them a chip on their shoulder, which is definitely not the type of Utah team anyone wants to face. I mean, you look at the first game against USC, coming off a loss against UCLA, no one was betting on Utah to win that game. Nobody was thinking Utah stands a chance. USC was 6-0, and you know, just coming off a couple of big wins. Like, they were really cooking, and they looked really good, and they played a really good game. Caleb Williams was almost lost, and they still lost because Utah had that chip on their shoulder. They went through that adversity earlier on, on in the game, and they came back, they battled back, Cam Rising played the best game of his career, and it was fantastic. So you don't want to play this Utah team when they're the underdogs, when they're the hunters and not the hunted, because that's when they're most dangerous. And it's going to be extremely interesting to see how this game unfolds because you got two teams, a complete clash of styles. Um, it's going to be just simply fantastic. There's no other way around it. Will be fantastic, and it'll be a lot of fun to see how it plays out. We're going to come up and put a bow on this one in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup of vehicles of Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Jaquindon Jackson, and specifically his 66-yard rushing touchdown. It was an incredible play. It was a memorable one, and one of those ones that just kind of goes makes you think like, I know we're leading our um, 
single season touchdown franchise leading back and Tavion Thomas when he set the record last year. But I feel really good about the running back situation for the Utes and just a great moment you love to see for a guy who's worked uh, so hard. I believe it was actually uh, someone posted um, recently. I believe it was actually Stephanie um, on Twitter, whose last name's escaping me, um, that on in Utah's last regular season game against Washington State a few years ago, Tavion, um, not bad, um, damn, uh, Ty Jordan. Um, ran for 66, a 66 yard touchdown too. And we know how close Jaquindon was with Ty and Aaron. So just a special moment, a special thing. And is absolutely my pick for Nissan's thrilling moment of the week. This section, this segment has been inspired by thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all new frontier Armada or pathfinder today available now at Nissan USA. Dot com. Also, today's episode is brought to you by UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Plus, you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. So I hate to be the bearer of mad news, but interest rates and inflation are both on the rise, as if we hadn't noticed. Well, here's some good news. UCCU can help you use this current rate rise in rates to your advantage. For a limited time, UCCU is offering that 15-month savings certificate with the incredibly high APY of 4.00%. What's a savings certificate? Is that like a savings account? A savings certificate is similar to a savings account, but as both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time. But here's the difference. Savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposits and withdrawals. But a savings certificate, you make just one deposit and then let your money grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account how much higher let's just say a lot higher so make sure you guys visit uccu.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today with a uccu savings certificate you simply make one deposit then let the money grow with that fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account and once again it's a 15 month savings certificate with an incredibly high apy of 4.00 percent uccu love where you bank dante we spent a lot of time talking about the game this is going to be the last time you're on before the big game. So how do you feel about it? You've been talking about what a great matchup it's going to be. I'm sure at Ute Zone, you'll be writing about it a lot this week and covering a couple of the things. And especially with your quarterback power rankings, it's going to be a matchup of two of the better quarterbacks in the conference. And look, Caleb's the Heisman favorite. He's the best quarterback in this conference right now, too. But we know Cam is capable of having big performances and big games as he had his best game of his career against USC just earlier this season. How do you see it all playing out in Vegas? Yeah, so I think we got to wait a little bit more to see the status of some of these players. Like if Jonah Ellis plays, I'm definitely leaning more towards Utah because we saw what happened in Salt Lake City when Morgan Scali made some halftime adjustments, put in Jonah Ellis for a lot of those pass rushing snaps later on in the game, and he really made his presence felt. You know, he was one of the only players in the Pac-12 to really be able to kind of beat Caleb Williams. You know, he was forcing him outside the pocket, forcing him more towards the line of scrimmage with that speed, kind of making him a little bit flustered. So if he's able to play, I think we're going to see a similar impact as we get into Salt Lake City. And that's a huge, huge win for Utah. Um, and then we got to wait a little bit longer and just see what happens with the rest of the guys. But if Utah's at what we know as full strength now, obviously no Van, no Tavion, guys like that. But I mean, if, if Clark plays, if Jonah plays, if guys like that play, if Dalton plays, I mean, I'm much more confident in Utah's ability to win this game. And like I said, man, I, I think that it's tough to beat a team twice, but we did it last year and we've already beaten USC. I, I really don't think like people will say, oh, USC has gotten so much better over the course of the year. They really haven't. You know, Utah took Caleb Williams best shot in Salt Lake City. He cannot play much better than he did no. in that game. And Utah still beat them. And since then, we haven't we've seen USC's defense get worse and we've seen Utah's defense just explode and get way, way better. That Oregon performance, as much as the offense struggled and as poor as it was, um, the final score and the final outcome. It was just fantastic to see the defense play the way they did in that game, stepping up in big moments, stepping up and making clutch plays, things like that. And then 
with that being said, I think Utah will be able to contain Caleb a little bit better than they did in the first game and just get more stops on defense, simply put. Utah only gave up 14 points in the second half the first time Utah played USC. Why not more this time around? Because Utah's defense has looked a lot better. They're finally playing to their strengths. They're using Mo Diabate more as a defensive end than an off-ball linebacker, which is just much better and giving more opportunities a lot to a lot of these other guys. Sione Vaki's emerged as a great player since then. Simote Pepe has emerged as a great player since then. So I think Utah's improved more than USC has since that game. And it's going to be really close. I think no matter who wins, it'll be within three, four points. Can really go either way. I'm going to go Utah, though. I'm there feeling go. good, man. I'm feeling very, very good. I'll say, you know, I'll go with the exact same score I predicted for the first game. 38-34 Utah. There we go. I mean, definitely can see it happen. And look, you know, we feel good about it because you are on lock on Ute. So it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. Make sure you guys check out Dante at Ute Zone. Also give him a follow on, on Twitter at Dante Guardi. And guys, if you're in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you check out Locked On Sports today. The take of the day, big game recaps, big game previews. It's all there on Locked On Sports today where they're going to cover all of the great things that you love about the biggest stories in sports. So head over on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcast, Locked On Sports Today. Dante, once again, thank you for joining us. Everyone, this is going to be a great week on Locked On News. We're going to have a ton of content all centered on the big game in Vegas, the Pac-12 championship game, Utes versus the Trojans, and we're going to be covering it all week long on Locked On News. Have a great Monday.